back, everybody, to the Back Row Eagles Show. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. Happy Easter to everyone. That's when I'm recording. It is about 10:16 a.m. on Sunday, April 12th. Happy Easter. Happy quarantine. I know a lot of people are bored at home. I uh, wish I had the option of being bored at home. I am an essential employee. I'm an auto mechanic, uh, but nobody seems to care about that. People only really care about nurses, doctors, and people working at grocery stores, and that's great. But just remember, your mechanics are keeping your pieces of shit on the road. Uh, we have families too, so respect our boundaries when you come to work. Respect everyone's boundaries. You know, not just now, but all the time. Um, I'm just glad that I can get away with telling people to get the F away from me now without getting in trouble. But hey, let's get back into it. Another great show for you today because that's kind of my thing. So some NFL news, another wide receiver available, another wide receiver not in an Eagles uniform. The Rams have traded wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the Houston Texans for a second round pick. Maybe a bit of an overpay, um, especially when you consider one more concussion in Brandon Cooks. His brain's going to look like an eggplant, um, but still. Guys are available. We're not doing anything. Are we going back to the James Thrash, Todd Pinkston era? Are we just going to let a franchise quarterback waste his talent throwing to nobodies? Um, that being said, the Eagles have signed a cardboard cutout of Todd Pinkston. Um, Terry Roseman quoted as saying, he still has it. Okay, so the XFL suspends operations, and it looks like they're unlikely to return in 2021. So, you know what? This one really hurts me because the XFL, they put a great great product on the field i was actually making plans to go see a dc defenders game probably next year um but it's like they're, they're just giving up without even trying i really don't understand what the end game here was they said that they wanted to be around for a long time and they just five games done that's it you're gonna let an entire league fold over the coronavirus it's sad and obviously there are more saddening things going on in the world right now but um doesn't give us a lot of hope for sports in general right now um, so today we got a couple great things to be talking about. We're going to talk about a new defense that the Eagles are building. We're going to also going to talk about some legacy too. So the Eagles are supposedly building a hybrid defense. This this is credit to the Eagles Wire. Uh, they they put an article out. They're talking about this hybrid defense that Harry Roseman wants to build. So it's going to be based around Darius Slay. You know, he's he's obviously their cornerback one. He's going to lock down opposing teams number one wide receiver. Or I also like when they put um, your number one corner on the number two wide receiver on a team and then have your number two corner with a safety cover your number one wide receiver. I always like that philosophy a little bit better. I'm also not a defensive coordinator, so I'm just going to go with it here. So it looks like right now Darius Slay and Rodney McLeod are going to be your two locked-in guys. They're going to be on the field just about every single play. Obviously, Darius Slay just got him from Detroit, and Rodney McLeod has just been a really solid contributor on this team his entire time here. So those guys are going to be locked in. So the remainder of the secondary is extremely versatile. They can play multiple positions. Russell Douglas, Jalen Mills, and the like. They're going to be roving players that Howie Roseman describes as positionless. So they're they're going everywhere, essentially. Um, especially Jalen Mills, Avante Maddox, Nikel Roby Coleman, and Will Parks, the new acquisition from Denver. Um, so Jalen Mills, you know he can play corner. See, I like this. I like the fact that they're going to try to make him a safety, but we can move him around as need be. So basically what that means is dressing on game day is not about health, but about matchups. So what's a good matchup for Jalen Mills? Somebody that doesn't do a double move. I would like to think DK Metcalf, but we saw that that's not the case. So some other players that are going to see a bunch of playing time, don't forget about Craven LeBlanc, Rasul Douglas, and Sidney Jones. You know, people are so down on Rasul Douglas. I like him. 
he needs better coaching. The secondary as a whole has not been great the last few years, which brings me to my next point. Will this year for Jim Schwartz, will that make him Billy Davis 2.0? Think about that. We're just giving guys, Chip Kelly said, when he became coach here, I'm really sorry to bring up Chip Kelly on Easter Sunday. Please don't hate me. Please don't turn this off. He said he likes players with a lot of versatility, and I get that to a point. But I've also been akin to the saying, jack of all trades, master of none. Prime example, played for this team. Reno Mahe. Yes, that Reno Mahe. The same Reno Mahe that never scored a touchdown in his entire career. And this is a guy who was a running back who they would put out wide at times occasionally. He was a kick and punt returner. He never scored a single freaking touchdown because he sucked. He was a jack-of-all-trades master of none. That's why he never really did anything. I think he finished his career with under 200 yards rushing, and he came out as a running back. So I don't know what to think. I like what they're saying. You know, we want to we want to go for matchups. We want to try to do something different. In this article, Howie Roseman was also quoted as saying, um, let me see if I can bring it up here, and I will just dictate to you because I didn't write that part down. So it is. Probably should have had this up, huh? Okay, so the first part is it's hard when you're watching games and the ball's getting thrown over your head. True. And you're also not getting an opportunity to get the ball back. True. And that hurts the offense. True. And that hurts the defense. True. Okay, so I get that. So how is taking a cornerback that gets burnt consistently in Jalen Mills and moving him to safety and then having a bunch of other cast-offs, how is that going to improve your defense? Now, don't get me wrong. I like the moves that they've made, but I don't know if I necessarily like the way they're going about it here. Or is it a stopgap? I, I don't know. In this article, it also mentioned that they might draft Tanner Muse from Clemson, who I've been high on. I've just started watching film on him, so I wish I had a little bit more to talk on him about. I, I could probably touch on him a little bit more next week, but um, he's a guy that is extremely versatile, and he can cover uh, guys down in the box, and he can cover guys out, out wide and on the back end as well. But, you know, is the hybrid defense going to work? Off the top of my head, I don't know about many other defenses that do this successfully so I just I don't want this team when two seasons ago they were so dominant just so dominant on all phases of the game their offensive line was dominant and it still can be obviously losing Jason Peters hurt they had an MVP caliber quarterback until he got hurt in Carson Wentz he's still here obviously they had a great wide receiving core clearly not the case the running backs, I think, are actually better now than they were when we won the Super Bowl. I'll say that. Although LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi played well and did their part, I think Miles Sanders is extremely versatile, and he's just better overall, younger, quicker, blah, blah, blah. Defensive line, stout. Linebackers, stout. Secondary, stout. We can't say the same right now. Defensive line might be slightly better than it was in the Super Bowl year. Maybe. I don't know. Chris Long's not here anymore. Linebackers are not better. T.J. Edwards, he's going to be a starter. If the season started right now, T.J. Edwards would be a starter. I like him. I don't know if he's ready to be a starter yet. And the secondary is a massive question mark. How can we be confident? I mean, the draft is about a week and a half away, but how can we be confident going into the season like this? I understand that we're just fans, but we also there's a reason why you have a team is because you have fans and you're you're playing for the fans.
If you want to play to an empty stadium, then you're just the Chargers. Go ahead and at me. That's fine. They know what they are. They let the face of their franchise go. But who cares about the Chargers? Los Angeles doesn't. Should have stayed in San Diego. Heck, if you want to really do something for the NFL, move back to St. Louis. They need a team. They love the Rams out there. And they left. I don't know. I don't know what to think. It's just, what do you even say anymore? The XFL's done. Spring football's done. I don't know. We're going to be going into the season with a hybrid secondary. I just, I don't like hybrid cars. I don't like hybrid secondaries. So the second, I'm going to make this a little bit of a quicker episode today. I uh, don't want to bore everybody here. The second part of my episode is going to be about legacy. L- let's talk about some guys that we have lost this past week and talk about some legacy. There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. Win. What are we waiting for? You know what you gotta do. Do it. How you feel what's about to happen on this field, man? They gonna get it to us. We got to take it. They gonna black out. We gonna get one black out. So this past week, we had a couple of passings, unfortunately, in the Eagles universe. Um, We're going to start off um, kicker. Tony Franklin passed away. Um, He was drafted in the third round by the Eagles in 1979. He's known for his barefoot kicking style, which can you imagine kicking a football Especially when it's cold outside with the bare foot. I mean, just, just the thought of that makes me feel like my foot is breaking. So, um, yeah, it's a shame. Passed away. Um, we got two more, too. One is Timmy Brown. Um, he passed away at age 82 from complications of dementia. Uh, in his playing days, he was 5'11", 198 pounds. He was originally drafted by the Green Bay Packers in 1959. In the 27th round. Can you imagine 27 rounds today? That That's just crazy. Um, he was released after one game by them and then later signed by Philadelphia in 1960. So he played for the Eagles from 1960 to 1967 and played one year in Baltimore. That's when they were the Colts, not the Ravens, in 1968. Um, he only played in four career playoff games. So most of the time, honestly, in the 1960s, the Eagles were a shit show. And that's that's putting it lightly. Um, obviously, 58 to 60, they were pretty successful. Buckshot, Norm Van Brocklin there. Um, we can touch on that another episode if you want. If you if you want me to talk about history, I love history in general. I specifically love Eagles history. So if you're ever interested in an episode like that where it's just pure history and speculation, let me know. I would love to do something like that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at TheMBauer85, or you could just uh, hit up the show at Backrow underscore Birds. Let me know any ideas you have. I'm glad they talked about it. But um so his career statistics. Now, Timmy Brown was versatile before versatile was a thing. I mean, back then, wide, wide receivers, wide receivers, and running backs were running backs, and that was it. 
So in 180, 108 games, I apologize, 67 starts, he had 889 carries for 3,862 yards and 31 touchdowns. That averaged 4.3 yards per carry, which is really good. 235 receptions for 3,399 yards, 26 touchdowns and a 14.5-yard average. 71 punt returns for 639 yards and 184 kick returns for 4,781 yards. I mean, this guy, he really really put put up some big statistics and extremely versatile like if he played today he would be a standout running back i feel um this was a guy look at the quarterback carousel he went through here norm van brocklin flying dutchman won the nfc the nfl championship in 1960 which by the way vince lombardi's only playoff loss you're welcome for that then he went to sonny jergensen hall of fame player as a redskin they traded him for norm sneed yuck um, so his last game of his career was a Super Bowl loss, Super Bowl three to the New York Jets. We all know about that. Um, uh, since then, I don't think the Jets have done anything. And he hit five carries for 18 yards and one touchdown on that game. So before he became an NFL player, he spent time in an orphanage and foster care before he attended Ball State University. Um, he also led the NFL in all-purpose yardage in 1962 and 1963. That's huge. And he became the first player in NFL history to return two kickoffs for touchdowns in the same game. Now, if you remember as well, when the Eagles opened the link in 2003 against the New England Patriots, Sylvester Stallone wore a Deuce Daly jersey, number 22. He was later quoted as saying he wore 22. He did love Deuce Daly, but because... Uh, Timmy Brown was someone who he admired as a child. But there is one more important thing that Timmy Brown did, and I'll tell you what that is. He is the guy that helped start the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry. So this is taken from BleedingGreenNation.com, and here's where I think it really started. December 10th, 1967, the Eagles were 5-6-1. and one. They traveled to the Cotton Bowl to play the 8-4 and four Cowboys. Before the game, Timmy Brown was told that the Cowboys put out a bounty for him. However, for most of the game, those rumors appeared to be false. It was a one-sided affair. The Cowboys were beating us up because that's what they did. Late in the game, Brown ran a dummy route, and quarterback Norm Sneed threw to a receiver on the other side of the field. So Cowboys linebacker Leroy Jordan, who would be inducted into the Cowboys ring of honor for being a massive piece of shit, viciously elbowed Brown in the face. Brown suffered a broken jaw and had six teeth knocked out. He was unable to eat solid food for six weeks. Wow. That, <laughs> that's something. And unfortunately, this rivalry started very lopsided. The Cowboys dominated the Eagles for the next decade after that, winning the next 10 matchups and 20 of the next 22. So that's where it really really um started and then it escalated in the late 80s buddy ryan versus tom landry um you know there's a lot of good stuff the pickle juice game it's always fun when they play the cowboys i like to call it hate week um that's just me so after football timmy brown became an actor he appeared in mash both the film and a couple episodes of the show nashville and many other shows and after acting he became a los angeles parole officer at camp kilpatrick which was said to inspire the 2006 movie gridiron gang good movie if you've ever seen it, if you have not, definitely go check it out. Also losing this week, Pete Ratzlaff. He was uh, labeled as an end. Back then, they didn't have tight ends. They just called them ends. Uh, pretty big. 6'1", 2'11", for his day. 
Um, so he was originally drafted by the Lions in 1953, but was waived. Then he spent two years in the Army. So originally he was a fullback, and he was converted to end. We'll just say tight end for uh, the time being. Funny thing is, he never saw to, caught a single pass in college, and he became a tight end. That's just crazy. At the time of his retirement, he was the franchise's all-time leader in receptions and receiving yards. He's one of only nine players to have his number retired. So let's see if I can name them all here. I'm just going to try to do this real quick. This is just all going off memory. I didn't research this because I wanted it to be trying to be pure here. Um, obviously, Pete Retzlaff. We have, I believe, Chuck Bednarik, obviously. Norm Van Brocklin. Nope, that's not true because Carson Wentz wears 11. Forgive me. So we got him. We got Bednarik. Should be Reggie White. Donovan McNabb. Uh, Jerome Brown. Steve Van Buren. I'm on six. I'm missing three. I don't think they retired Dawkins' number yet. Come on. Uh, Al Wistert. Tom Brookshire. Mm, I'm on eight. <laughs> I'm on eight. Um, I don't know. I'm going to give up for there right now. So I'm going to check. I'm going to check that out. I'll pause in a couple minutes and I'll look at that again. But in Pete Ratzlaff's career, 132 games played with 118 starts, all for the Philadelphia Eagles, 452 receptions, 7,412 yards. He averaged 16.4 yards per reception, 47 touchdowns for the record. Zach Ertz only averages 10.9 yards per reception. Um, so just uh, you know, food for thought when you consider especially the fact that this was in – the 50s and 60s. These leading, I mean, that's just insane. Um, he did lead the NFL in receptions in both 1956 and 1958. After football, he was vice president and general manager from 1969 to 1972, and he was a broadcaster the following two seasons. Um, so rest in peace, all you guys. You know, it's it's a shame that some of our older guys are passing on here, but uh, you know, the legacy that they they have will live on forever. I mean, obviously, when you get older, you pass away. But what defines a legacy? Was it the the wins? Was it your playing style? Was it your swagger? I mean, you want to talk about legacy, look no farther than Chuck Bednarik. Chuck Bednarik was the greatest linebacker of all time. And don't tell me Dick Buckus, because I don't believe Dick Buckus ever played two ways. Um, Chuck Bednarik was on two championship teams, 1949 and 1960. Had he not been at the University of Penn and he'd been drafted by the Eagles in 1948, he would have been on three championship teams. Um, he was late coming into college because he went, he went to World War II and was a tail gunner on a bomber plane. He flew 30 missions over Germany. That's, that's just crazy. So, um, you know, to me, legacy is just, when I think about the Eagles' legacy, I think about that old school Kelly Green. I think about Franklin Field, the vet. And I understand that our fans are nasty at times, but you know, I feel like we, we just, we really, really care, especially living on the East coast. It's not like you're in Florida. Well, okay. Florida's on the East coast. Thank you for the geography lesson. Okay. Especially in the Northeast. There you go. How's that? When it's December and you get eliminated from the playoffs, what do you do? You sit down and you just you seethe over it because you can't go outside. There's three feet of snow and it's negative 10. 
It's not like you're in Los Angeles or San Diego and, oh man, we got eliminated from the playoffs. Bummer. Let's go surfing. Yeah, we we, we don't do that here. We, we can't do that. Well, you can if you're an idiot. So to me, legacy is not just about the guys that step on the field. To me, legacy is the guys that were sweating it out and freezing their asses off in the 700 level at the vet, which I still think they should have just refurbished the vet because that place was freaking awesome. The link sucks compared to the vet. I don't care. I remember walking up those big ramps and uh, you passed the Mike Schmidt statue. Um, I just remember guys taking bets on who would pee first in a, in a porta potty outside the stadium. Yes, that happened. Um, fights. Uh, just, you know, one of, one of my first memories, uh, my second Eagles game I ever went to was Eagles Raiders. And <clears throat> uh, that was when the Raiders were really good. Gruden was the head coach. I think they either went to the Super Bowl that year or the year after. I don't remember. A uh, group of Raiders fans, this one loudmouth was walking across the parking lot going, Deuce Staley wears panties. Deuce Staley's wear panties. And he, he kept saying it over and over and over again until a full beer can, unopened, just came and hit him right in the side of the head. Um, shut him up real quick. Also, great long-term accuracy. I'm sure the Phillies could have been looking for an outfielder at that time. So, you know, to me, legacy is not just the wings on your helmet, the uniform that you wear, but it's also the people and everything that comes together as a community. That's why I love being an Eagles fan, especially. Um, and that's part of what being an Eagles fan means to me. My first Eagles game was Eagles-Titans. I believe it was uh, Steve McNair and Eddie George-led team. Um, oddly, we were the only team that scored a touchdown that game, and we lost. And that was when I started to hate Donovan McNabb, <laughs> for the record. I think it was either his first or second season. I don't remember if it was 2000, 2001. But I just remember him constantly under and overthrowing wide receivers and just smiling all the time. Like, dude, what, what the fuck are you smiling about? And I would say to my dad, like, what is up with this guy? And he goes, why the hell should he care if he hits a wide open wide receiver or not? He's going to get back in his luxury car and go back to his mansion and be a millionaire. He doesn't care if he wins or loses and he doesn't care what you think. And I've never been a McNabb fan. Somebody said to me once, you don't like McNabb because he's black. And I said, I don't care what color he is. I don't like him because he sucks. On the flip side, I loved Michael Vick, not as a person, as an eagle, because it looked like he cared. But the way he played, he would do whatever it took to help win the game. It's just if the game was out of line, McNabb didn't care. He didn't really try any harder. And the shit that he says about Carson Wentz now, I almost feel it's like he's jealous because... People like Carson Wentz, and they didn't really like McNabb. If you would have been a little bit more accurate, and you wouldn't have had that stupid grin on your face all the time, maybe things would be different. Now, on the flip side, if Andy Reid was as good of a head coach as everybody gives him credit for, which I think he's a better coach now than when he was in Philadelphia, he would have put a system in place that would have worked to McNabb's skill set, i.e. not a West Coast offense. And that's where I think Andy Reid fell short as a head coach. And that's why I didn't cheer for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Because I also didn't care. I wanted a good game and it was fine. Whatever. He is supposed to, he's supposed to be the smartest guy in the room. But he wasn't. He would always try to get cute. He was like Matt Nagy before Matt Nagy was Matt Nagy in Chicago. If that makes any sense. You have to play to what your players do best. And you have to draft players that fit your system. 
Now, that being said, on the flip side, I'm going off my topic of legacy here, and I'm just rambling. If the Browns wouldn't have been an expansion team in 1999, the Eagles would have had the first overall pick. Thank you very much, Ray Rhodes. Maybe they would have taken Tim Couch. Maybe Tim Couch's career trajectory would have been different. Maybe our trajectory would have been different. Then again, we also might not have had Michael Vick. We might not have had Kevin Cobb. Might not have had Sam Bradford. Might not have had Carson Wentz. Nick Foles, twice. Might not have a Super Bowl. It's just interesting to think about all those different things. So, I mean, legacy on its own is probably... It's probably an episode that I could, um, you know, that I could do all entirely. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because um, three guys that helped to kind of build the building blocks of this franchise are no longer with us. You know, speaking of legacy, I might do, um, there is an era of the Eagles called the Duffelbag Dynasty, and that's from 1947 to 1949. Um, that was, that included three championship game appearances and two victories in 48 and 49. So I think that would probably be a pretty interesting episode. You know, we could probably do that in like a month or so when there's not a whole lot going on. Looks like there might not be mini camps or OTAs, which, you know, leads me to this. That actually puts the Eagles at a huge, huge advantage this upcoming season. Stephen A. Smith said that the Eagles are probably the best team in the NFC East right now, which I hate to agree with screaming A. Smith, but he's right. Well, we're just talking about turnover and holdovers and all that. We definitely have the advantage in the division. All the other three teams have a new head coach. So the time to strike is now. All right, so I did pause recording briefly, and I looked up the retired numbers. I think I had most of them. Um, here we go. <clears throat> Going numerically, Donovan McNabb, number five, is retired. Steve Van Buren, 15, is retired. I was wrong. Brian Dawkins, number, is retired. That's 20. In case you didn't know, you should know that. Tom Brookshire, number 40. I think I might have had him. Pete Retzleff, who we talked about, 44. Chuck Bednarik, uh, number 60. Al Wissert, number 70. Reggie White, 92. And Jerome Brown, 99. I also did read that while number 12 is not retired, um, the Eagles do not like to give out Randall Cunningham's numbers. So that's basically 10 numbers that you cannot get if you are an Eagles player. So um, the draft is going to be in about a week and a half. Really looking forward to um, see what the Eagles do. I'm super interested. Maybe they make a move before then, although I highly doubt it. I think if they were going to make a move, they would have done it by now. Um, so, Harry, there's still time for you to go out and get Mike Williams from Los Angeles because Tyrod Taylor is not going to hit him down the field. But you know who has a really, really good arm? Carson Wentz. He could definitely hit him. So, hey, listen, everybody, again, until next time, um, you could find me on Twitter at the Bauer 85 You could also... Hit the show up at backrow underscore birds. Thanks again to Jeremy Barker for putting this awesome channel together. I think we're up to 12 podcasts now. Um, so you might want to check that out. If you are a podcaster and you have other teams that you're interested in and they are available, you know, we'd love to have you on the channel. Um, you can reach out to me. You could reach out um, to Bark at Backrow Fantasy Show. Um, obviously, if you're an Eagles fan, you're listening to this and this show's already claimed. But um, if you have any friends that like other teams for some reason, um, Definitely hit us up. You know, we'll, we'll get you involved. We'll help you out, and we'll go from there. So until next week, everybody, just remember: no one likes us, and we don't care. Thanks again for listening. Everybody.